For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by NFL Draft analysts Alex Gilstrap and Ryan Roberts. Today's episode, we are going to address a backup quarterback tweeting during halftime, giving our top takeaways from the week, and then another stock checkup, but this time on the top guys for Ryan and Alex before the season started. Before we get into that, folks, I want to share a message with you from our sponsor, that is Bet Online. The NFL season and college football are in full swing, and you might not be able to get tickets to go to these games this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So guys, the, the fun headline that comes out of college football this past week was Florida backup quarterback Anthony Richardson grabbing his phone and doing one of the stupidest things you can do as a modern-day college football player, which is tweeting at halftime, but the it turned itself into a little bit of a meme, and he tweeted, hey, I'm not supposed to be on my phone, but somebody tell them to give Kyle the Heisman Trophy already. That's referring to Kyle Trask, who had a crazy performance, tossing a ton of touchdowns against Arkansas for a big win, continuing to ride the momentum throughout the season to actually put himself into the Heisman conversation. Now, it seems like we're all in agreement here but Alex, I want to go to you first. Who do you think, if we had to, if we had to give someone the Heisman Trophy already, as uh, Richardson said, who would you be giving it to? Right now, it would be Kyle Trask. I think I think he's right with the tweet. Um, I I think there's some guys that can have some arguments. You could do one of those quote unquote career Heisman trophies that they do with the MVP sometimes. Give it to a Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields, even though he had an, he's going to have an abbreviated season. But to this point, they're playing really great as well. And then there's some smaller school guys. Zach Wilson is the first person that comes to mind that needs some recognition. Uh, and he's someone that if he continues to play the way he is, he's going to be a finalist for it at the very least. But right now it's Kyle Trask. And I think playing as well as he did yesterday in that first game without Kyle Pitts, who is arguably the best pass catcher in college football, and someone that a lot of Kyle Trask haters think that you know he he runs through him and if he didn't have Kyle Pitts that he wouldn't be the same quarterback and Kyle Trash just said shut up with with the performance he had yesterday I I was you know as y'all know I was high on Kyle Trash coming into the season and he's done actually a lot better than I even expected so Kyle Trash right now I think is the Heisman Trophy winner if it ends today 
Kyle Trask, never heard of him. Um, uh, except for on Twitter, when everyone's <laughs> telling me that he's the new Joe Burrow, which I think is a conversation oh. we might have to have at some point here. But I, I would agree with Alex and um, to the to the sense of I, I think it's Kyle Trask to lose right now. I think that the other guys that you're going to mention in this race are Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. I think what's going against the other three, though, is – Justin Fields has, a, has an abbreviated season with the, the late start to the Big Tw- uh, Big Ten. Now Trevor Lawrence has missed a couple games with the with um, going through the COVID protocol, so he's got he's also got an abbreviated season for a different reason. And then Zach Wilson hasn't really played the best competition in the world. His best victory, obviously, against Boise State, where he had obviously an outrageous year. And I, I think that he's going to be in the conversation just for the numbers he's putting up. But I think when you take into the account the numbers that Trask is putting up and also doing it in the SEC, the best conference in all of college football, and having a full slate potentially of games, I think that he is going to ride that momentum. It's going to be an interesting conversation, though, when down the stretch, when games get a little tighter, weather gets a little worse, we're going to the SEC championship game potentially, seeing how everything shapes out, those quote-unquote Heisman moments when you're playing against the best team is going to be the interesting conversation. But I think right now it has to be Kyle's trash to lose um, at the moment. My logic with this is the Heisman Trophy more often than not tends to ride whatever the biggest headlines are throughout the season. So last year the perfect example of that is Joe Burrow starts to really gain a huge level of attention midway through. And then at that final stretch, he explodes for these big performances in the college football playoff and these really, really big, important games. He's the big reason why they won the national championship last year. And we see what he's doing right now with the Cincinnati Bengals. So right now what we're seeing with Kyle Trask is that hype is starting to build and we're not even close to the peak yet. If they continue to win football games and maybe they hypothetically win out separate from the college football playoff, That's really all you need to win the Heisman Trophy. If you have the level of hype that he does right now, you have Trevor Lawrence sitting out because of COVID, um, all of that is in Kyle Trask's current favor. So not not having as much competition with Fields and Trevor Lawrence not playing this past week and also Justin Fields not having the beginning half of the season to play, Kyle Trask has, has all of his time and the momentum heavily weighing in his favor. So to to discuss some top takeaways from this week, Alex, what was your big takeaway uh, from the performances this week? Yeah, it's just that some teams obviously just didn't do as much as others during the quarantine, during this this weird preseason built, you know, leading up to the season. Some teams just took the quarantine off. And, you know, the three teams I have listed beside it, and I'm realizing it now, is all Big Ten teams. So maybe the Big Ten, aside from Ohio State, took the quarantine off. Maybe that's what I'm getting at. Uh, Penn State, Michigan, Minnesota, all high-ranked teams coming into the season, high expectations. Michigan always has high expectations. I know Joe's going to touch on that here in a little bit. Uh, But Minnesota, Penn State as well. But all of them have NFL talent all over the field, and they are bad, Penn State especially. Penn State is someone I expected to – to push for you know the the Big Ten you know to be that top competitor for for Ohio State Minnesota as well those are the two teams I thought that were going to give you know the most competition to Ohio State for the, for the conference and they are bad they're losing to teams they should never lose to so my top takeaway is just there are some teams that you can just tell 
did not prepare the same way others did. Uh, you have teams like Indiana coming out of the woodworks with a lot of young talent on that team, especially on the defensive side of the football. They have a lot of young talent. And they're undefeated top 10 ranking team, and they're continuing to, to roll. And then you have programs such as Penn State, Michigan, Minnesota, who we all expected to be top 15 at the very least, each of them, and, and they are just n- not even close to that. Ryan, for you, what, where do you sit? What is your top takeaway from this one? And this is something that you actually tweeted out and got some pretty interesting interactions uh, on Twitter. Yeah, and, and we talked about it a little bit before we started. Now, the 2021 quarterback class, obviously with Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, like it's very, it's very um, good at the top. And then I, I question maybe a little bit of the depth. I know there's some interesting players, but I'm looking at this 2022 class potentially and tr- not trying to look forward too much. But I'm looking at Keaton Slovis from USC, Sam Howell from UNC, Phil Jacoby from Boston College, Jaden Daniels from Arizona State, Carson Strong from Nevada, Davis Mills potentially from Stanford, Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. I forgot to put Matt Corral in there from Ole Miss. I forgot to put Dylan Gabriel in there from UCF. There are so many talented quarterbacks who could potentially be in this 2022 class. Now, a couple of those guys are draft eligible this year, but I'm just looking at this depth. And there's probably about six or seven guys there that I can make a legit argument that could be first-round caliber quarterbacks next year. And I'm looking – and it seems like it's a little polarizing because some people seem to not like the class too much. But, man, I'm I'm excited about that class. I really am. We're seeing week in and week out some of those guys put up just some dumb numbers. And I think what's really is going to be a lot of fun is I think lists and orders of those players are going to be so all over the place. Some of those guys that, you know, like – uh, Jaden Daniels has a huge following right now. I don't even know if he'd be in the top five of that list for me right now, just looking about how how many different styles and, and the amount of talent that's in that class. I'm just excited to see how that works out and see just how deep. I, th- I think that could be one of the deeper quarterback classes we've seen in a long time, man. There is some legit talent in that class potentially. And I honestly think that you talked about some people are not fans of this group. That's just because people right now are spoiled with a super top-heavy group, a rare talent at the top of this quarterback class with Trevor Lawrence. So I think you get a lot of people that are thinking like, oh, where, where's the clear-cut number one guy? Where's the, the, the worldly talent that's supposed to be leading the group? You don't need that. If you have a handful of a lot of really good first-round quarterbacks – That makes up for the fact that you don't have a Trevor Lawrence in the class. My takeaway is that Michigan needs to fire Jim Harbaugh. It's done. It's it's completely done. Jim Harbaugh was once a very good coach at Stanford. He did some great things in the NFL. He doesn't have it anymore. It's not working. This Michigan team has always been decent and good and competitive, but never able to get over the hump. Well, now it's come full circle, and they're just straight bad. They don't have good quarterback play. Despite having a ton of defensive talent and some good offensive weapons, they're just not performing well against some of these good Big Ten teams. And then on top of that, they're losing to bad Big Ten teams. They're going to get smacked by Ohio State. I think that's way too long to wait to keep him around. Fire him now. Start talking to people. Start figuring out who you want to look for because you can't look until you fire him. Get rid of him now. Go start finding someone else. And I was thinking to myself that this is the perfect way to describe Jim Harbaugh's situation is that he's he's like the Kevin Sumlin of Michigan in the sense that he has always recruited so well. He's always gone out and grabbed these five-star recruits, these super talented guys, these top-level recruiting classes, 
and he's done nothing with them. He hasn't done a damn thing with this group of guys that he's brought in throughout his time with Michigan. They, I get it. You have a couple top 10 teams, but you expect if you're the head coach of Michigan to at the very least be competing for a Big Ten uh, championship or be in the college football playoff or even both. And he's done neither of those things. He hasn't been in the stratosphere of competing for those things. And, and guys, I've got a... I've got a good option here for their for their uh, for their head coach eventual head coach opening. So there's this guy coaching at San Diego State by the name of Brady Hoke. I think that he would be a great fit for this Michigan head coaching uh, uh, availability. Well, yeah, that that works re- that works really well the first time that that happens. <laughs> Joe, I would say this though, man, you better you better not hold your breath for uh, them firing Jim Harbaugh though. I think Jim Harbaugh is more likely to resign at some point than he is to get fired. Oh, really? That would yeah. be so much worse. Dude, he's a but Michigan also guy. Make things so. Yeah, I know. I, He's a Michigan I don't know. guy. They're, that, they're not going to fire it, him. They're not going to fire him. I guarantee it. That would make it better for me because that would make it so much more messy if he has to resign. If they basically have to ask him to step down or they tell him they're going to fire him and he chooses to resign. Either of those things are, are going to be a mess. So, guys, I want to touch, touch base right now with some of your preseason selections for guys that you really liked. And with any draft class and as talent evaluators, you're always going to have your guys. And if you, the listener, are wondering, oh, what do you mean by that? There's always guys that you're going to bang the table for that you think are going to be super talented that maybe some people aren't really talking about that much and aren't getting the credit that they deserve and are outside the general consensus. Well, you ha- you gave us a couple really big-name guys that are doing pretty well right now, and I wanted to check up on those specific players that you were high on that maybe some other people weren't. Alex, who are your two top guys and where do they sit right now? Firstly, we've already talked about him. That's Kyle Trask. Coming into the season, he was my senior QB1, my QB4 overall behind the big three going into the season. And, you know, I tweeted out and say what you want. This kind of goes to to Ryan's point uh, earlier about the, the Joe Burrow comparisons. But I tweeted out calling Kyle Trask my QB1 during the summer and said, <laughs> I see a lot of similarities between Joe Burrow's 2018 tape and Kyle Trask's 2019 tape, and I, I see Ryan shaking his head at me right now, but there were a lot of similarities. You saw glimpses. You saw what could be, but the consistency, the, the you know, just putting it all together, the polish in the game was just not there for either one of those during those times. I said, don't expect a Joe Burrow-type rise. Obviously, that's just unpre- – you know, everyone wants to talk about who's going to be the next Joe Burrow. That, that just doesn't happen. But I was like, but expect this guy to improve, and he's he's going to push his name towards the first-round conversation, and that's exactly what Kyle Trask has done. I, it's It's gone so far that I think the consensus has surpassed me, though. That's the problem. I was telling Ryan and Joe this in our in our chat you know, a couple weeks ago as Kyle Trask was starting to get first-round conversation. I was like, I don't know. I don't see much different in his tape that I didn't see enough of in 2019 – to think any differently of him today. I, I, I think he's limited physically. Um, I don't think he's a good smooth mover, and that's a big difference between him and Joe Burrow for me. I he, he's, he is what he is. I think he's going to be a really, really, really good backup. He's going to be one of those backups that's going to be in the NFL for a long time because he's he's got good touch. He has pretty good accuracy, to especially the short to intermediate areas of the field, which is what you want in your backup quarterbacks. And he's shown improvement. I, I, I just... I think the world has surpassed me. This is someone I was really, really high on. This is the one I was putting a stamp on. 
as my number one guy, and and he's done very well. I think so well that I, I think the world has surpassed me on on thoughts uh, of Kyle Trask. Uh, for my second one, it was Aziz Ojolari, the edge rusher, defensive end uh, out of Georgia. Uh, as a Georgia fan, I, I watch a lot of Georgia, obviously, and Aziz Ojolari is someone who's always gone under the radar. They do a lot of rotations in that defense. And so he wasn't able to put up very many huge stat lines uh, throughout his young career to that point. But he was someone I always saw it with. You know, you saw that that juice, that burst first step off the line. Really good hands. He's super athletic. And and he got in the backfield on command. He just played in a rotational role. That was just the problem. And this year he he kind of cemented himself as someone that needs to be out there almost every single down, which is which is very foreign to Georgia defense, to Kirby Smart system. And look what he's done. He's he now he's pushing for first round talk. You know he's had a couple big games this year. He's someone I talked about a lot during the preseason as as someone that could see a really good rise and and so far so well with him as well. So uh, two guys that you know I talked highly of uh, going into the season during our positional previews that I was a lot higher on than I feel like the consensus and two of those uh, that are panning out for me so far. So uh, Kyle Trask and Aziz Ojolari, two guys that are pushing for first round talk uh, that were kind of flying as day three guys uh, during the summer. Hit the home run with Kyle Trask. I don't think uh, a lot of people were talking about him that much preseason, and you were saying he could have this this Joe Burrow-type rise, and then here we are right now. Everybody's starting to compare him to Joe Burrow. Even though we might not agree that's where we think, but the general consensus right now is, hey, this guy has that Joe Burrow potential of pushing himself way up in his draft stock. Maybe not first overall, but late first round, early second. Ryan, you have two really interesting guys, and then the one at the top is someone that we've already visited, so might as well take another victory lap, right? <laughs> yeah, might as well. I was going to say to Alex, I, lo- I really like the Aziz Ojolari. I actually just put him in the first round of a mock last week. Um, it's I, I think he is the best 3-4 outside linebacker, rush backer in this class potentially. Uh, and we can't get away from the Kyle Trask conversation. We just can't do it. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully at some point we can stop talking about it a little bit. And a guy, though, that I am going to be able to talk about every day for until he's drafted in the first round. Because now, folks, Draft Network has him as a twenty in, in the twenties as a football player after starting like 120 to begin the year. That is J.C. Horn, South Carolina cornerback. And I would like to preface this by saying. Everybody has their misses. I think one of my guys in the, in the summer as well was to Murray and Terry from Florida State, who's had a absolutely disastrous beginning of the year. I, I like to keep it around like 75%, though. For every three good takes, maybe one yeah. bad one in the summer. So uh, Let's pretend those didn't happen. It's right, okay. Yeah, no, they, they don't. I mean, they can go, they can go to – unfortunately, they're on recording, though, so I guess they can go back if they really wanted to. But I – no, no one, no one has the energy for that. Yeah, it's okay. Apparently, <laughs> some people do, Joe. But that's, I guess, another conversation right. for another time. Uh, <laughs> J.C. Horn, though, I think he is the best press man corner in the class. Teams want to play press man coverage. I think that he is firmly in the first round conversation. I just put him in the top ten in that same mock I was talking about. Uh, do I think that eventually he goes top ten? Probably not, unless he tests, you know, insanely at the combine when it happens. But. I do think that he's firmly in the top half of the first-round conversation. And then another guy that I really wanted to talk about was Nick Bolton. One of my other big hot takes in the summer was, I think Nick Bolton's better than Dylan Moses. And I have not shied away from that one, and I still believe that. And the film so far this year, I think, backs that up. Dylan Moses has struggled. Nick Bolton continues to flourish. He's just so fundamentally sound. He has such great instincts. He is always in the proper position. And he plays 
so loose because his eyes are so good that he is able to really see things and attack in an instance. He is not a guy that lacks that ability to go through his reads very quickly. Similar to like how a how he would categorize a quarterback, right? The ability to go through reads so quickly. His from trigger to making that decision is a snap. It's a blink of an eye. I think Nick Bolton is again in that first round conversation as well. I would take him before Dylan Moses. I am not going to shy away from that because I think that he is a lot better athlete than people might give him credit for as well. I think Nick Bolton's going to run low um, low four sixes, high four fives. I think he's going to run very fast. Is he going to be? Is he going to test as well as Dylan Moses? No, but not many people are going to in this class. Um, but I do believe that Nick Bolton is just a better football player. And so far, the tape for Missouri this year is backing that up. Yeah, and the thing with Nick Bolton that's a little bit interesting, too, is we're seeing all this phenomenal play from him. But unlike J.C. Horn, I feel like a lot of people aren't talking about him as much yet. We, we may not actually get to, to see his draft stock come to true fruition until we get towards the end of the season and people actually turn on the tape. I think everyone's so drawn to some of these other guys um, and they don't really want to truly recognize Nick Bolton. Like, I, am I wrong in saying that? I feel like a lot of people still aren't even talking no, about No, yeah, him. he's still flying under the radar. Yeah, well, I, I think it's a, you know he plays for Missouri, right? Which is kind of like a yeah. bottom dweller to a degree in the SEC. Like they, right. they actually play really good defense. There's a few guys on that defense: Gillespie, um, the safety. Uh, forget the other kid's name. The other safety. They have um, the defensive tackle. It's pretty solid too. Number seventy-eight. Uh, his name's escaping me as, as well at the moment. But the, Missouri plays some really good defense. They were a top fifteen team in in total defense in, in last season in twenty nineteen. So I feel like they don't get the credit they deserve because their offense isn't up to snuff. So they're not a you know, and then obviously compared them to a Dylan Moses, right? Like that's the next guy in the line of Alabama linebackers from Ruben Fosters to Rashawn Evans. Like he's the next guy. So I feel like he is always going to get that publicity over a Missouri defender. So let's wrap up today's show with our stat sheet stuffers, guys that we thought had really good performances, not directly related to their draft stocks, but just stupid statistics, crazy numbers. And I have to go with Kevin Harris from South Carolina. This man rushed for 243 yards on 25 carries, almost 10 yards a pop, and five rushing touchdowns. That's insane. I had I had uh, Sam Howell written down originally, and I let uh, I let Alex take it, and I, I kind of stole Kevin Harris from him without communicating properly with him. But I, I don't know. This this is a crazy stat line. I, throwing for 500 yards is nice, but holy hell, how do you do this as a running back in, in modern college football? Yeah, that was an insane game too, the South Carolina Ole Miss game. It was just back and forth. You saw Elijah Moore on the other side of the football that – blew up as well we're not going to talk about him but he needs some recognition that that game was just fun to watch explosive offense you don't see that much in the sec but it's starting to come around alex who is your pick hey ryan you want to talk about kyle trask anymore <laughs> no not really <laughs> okay okay I'll, I'll save you uh no i'm gonna go with sam howell north carolina quarterback uh ryan actually talked about him earlier uh when when discussing the 2022 quarterback class and man he put up some numbers joe joe kind of 
mentioned it a little bit. 550 passing yards, six passing touchdowns, adding adding a rushing touchdown as well to the stat sheet. Uh, Sam Howell just blew up in this game, and he really targeted his top two receivers. You know that we talked about coming into this season, Diami Brown and and Daz Newsom both had really big games, two receiving touchdowns apiece. Uh, North Carolina, if they had some defense, would be would live up to that top ten ranking that they were. You know, a few weeks ago, they just have no defense. This was a shootout, and uh, Sam Howell and North Carolina prevailed uh, largely due to this performance. Ryan, why don't you wrap us up with a guy that played against Kevin Harris? And I, I just can't believe that Joe picks somebody that lost a football game as a stat sheet stuffer. Like that matters. <laughs> if in you some if way. you rush for ten yards a carry and five touchdowns, you make it on the list. It's as simple as that. Running, you don't count uh, wins for running backs. I don't. That's not a statistic. It's quarterbacks. He's not a quarterback. Well, if I was a scout talking to Kevin Harris, he'd be like, "What was your best game?" He'd be like, "Oh, against Ole Miss." Be like, "Oh, did you win?" No. Okay. All right. Moving on. You you would you would drop draft stock for a guy that rushed for two hundred and fifty yards because he lost the football game? No, no, not 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 probably, but you know, I mean, I, I just like picking winners, Joe. It's just kind of my God. my style, you know. Okay. So another. All right. The, well, go with a guy who no, had a lower performance then. No, no, the winner of that football game, Joe. And you talked about oh, five hundred yard passers. Well, I'm gonna throw out Matt Corral here. The Ole Miss victory lap, twenty eight of thirty two for five hundred and thirteen yards and four touchdowns. We talked about Matt Corral last week, I think, about being super volatile, right? Like the one week he threw six interceptions. Since that game, he has been fantastic. That kid is very talented, and he had a hell of a week in a victory. (laughs) Not as impressive. Good job. Good job, Matt, but not as impressive. (laughs) Well, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft for Ryan, at Alex Gilstrap for Alex. Also follow the show's page at NFL Prospects Pod for a ton of amazing NFL draft content. Our social media team is fantastic right now. They put out amazing stuff, so go follow that account. Um, additionally, hit that subscribe button if you just started tuning in, and if you are a reoccurring listener and you haven't given us a review, Please give us a review. Right now we're at a five-star rating, which is fantastic. But if you have any thoughts, please give us some thoughts and uh, some takeaways from what you like about the show. Also go to Believe Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts and their website, Believe.com, to find our show as well as hundreds of other amazing shows. Stay tuned for the end of the week for another amazing interview. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.